welcome to another episode of Strength for Today with your host here, Eric Dykstra. I'm so glad that you're with me for another great, incredible week. Let me just give you a preview of where we're going to go this week. We are going to be in Isaiah 61 here today. And then on Wednesday, when we come back, we are going to dive into Luke chapter four. These are very congruent passages that really talk about the coming of Christ and what his mission, identity, and lifestyle really was. And we're going to see that it's absolutely amazing in scripture that when Jesus was foretold in the Old Testament, the passage we're going to look at today was written 700 years before Isaiah uh, or for, before Jesus came onto the scene. And so, uh, and then on Friday, we are going to look at some of the ways of how scripture tells us to renew our mind to understand the kingdom of God. To recap where we were last week, I gave you a visual illustration of what the kingdom of God is like. And really over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the kingdom of God and how it's like an upside down kingdom in terms of how we've been trained or how we typically begin to see the world around us. Because when we put our faith in the person of Jesus Christ, we saw that there was a new kingdom of the Father that gets revealed through the person and the message of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the king of that kingdom. And we are his most precious entity. Um, and he has such a heart for you and I to feel loved, to feel welcomed. But the most incredible thing to me is what we get to inherit because of who Jesus is as a king. He is a servant. And so let's just jump right in today and talk about Isaiah 61. Like I mentioned earlier, Isaiah 61 was written almost 700 years before Jesus came onto the scene. And on Wednesday, we're going to jump into Luke chapter 4, in which Jesus goes to this very passage, and he begins to read it and makes a bold and courageous statement that these scriptures have been fulfilled today, claiming that he was who this Isaiah 61 passage was written about. And it gives us a window into the lifestyle and the identity and the mission of Jesus. And that was to bring in a new kingdom that we are uh, now have access to through his work. So before I read Isaiah 61, I want to give you a little bit of a context of the author Isaiah himself and what he would have been writing about. If you go back into Leviticus, it talks about the year of Jubilee. And the year of Jubilee was every seventh year, and it was a way to kind of reset the economy, reset uh, the balance uh, from the wealthy to the poor. And here were just some of the characteristics of often what happened in that year of Jubilee. You had debt that was canceled. You had more land that was returned to its original owners. Slaves were freed from being captives or being in bondage. Everyone was given a new beginning. The goal, like I mentioned, was really to balance the economy and to keep the wealthy from exploiting the poor. 
So if you were poor or if you were a slave, this was kind of a new beginning. Often what this would represent was the year of the Lord, was Jubilee. So there was a time of joy. There was a time of rejoicing because you were given a second chance or things were restored to the way they were intended to be creating balance. And this is going to give us an insight into what this Isaiah 61 passage is really talking about and would become the very mission and uh, identity statement of who the person of Jesus and the king that he would become uh, would bring into the world, ushering in a new kingdom. When we put our trust in Christ, we are ultimately living in a year of jubilee. And what Christ brings in through the new kingdom is for the people of this kingdom, us, our ch the children that scripture refers to us, is that we will be restored, rebuilt, and repaired through the work of Jesus and by putting our trust in him. And in return, we will be able to help others rebuild, repair, and be restored if we're humble and have a posture to allow him to be those things for us. So let's look at Isaiah 61, and I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version, and then I'm going to kind of close this episode out by reading it from the Amplified, because the Amplified catches a few things in it that can be very helpful in us to be able to understand it, but then also to apply it to our life. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me, and I want to pause right there and just catch this because really it defines strength and where it comes from. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Several weeks ago, we talked about the power of the spirit and God's kingdom is a kingdom of the spirit, not of the flesh, not in the world, not something we can physically see, but God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And it says the spirit Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is a great sign of strength when the Spirit of the Lord is within us because of who Christ is, and it gives us strength and it gives us anointing. And often in Scripture, what that word anointed is, is it's a level of permission and favor that comes upon us and manifests and expresses itself through us in a very particular and unique way that is uh, unique to who we are uh, and that could come across in a certain skill set a certain gifting um, but the it is the lord's work and i want to make note of this that it's not something that he will do but it's the spirit of the lord that is going to accomplish these things and it says the spirit of the lord has anointed him to bring good news to the poor. That's really one of the key messages to this new kingdom that we've been talking about, to bring good news. And we're going to see what that is here in just a minute. But there's good news and there's bad news. And if you're living in the world today, you know that the world is full of bad news. And it's often what we prioritize. It's what we often emphasize and 
when we're about bad news, it is really of uh, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of our enemy, Satan himself. And our mindset, our thinking, our lifestyle tends to be focused on all the negative things around us and all the things that aren't happening. It's darkness. But there's the kingdom of life because when we're about his kingdom, we get anointed and the spirit of the Lord rests upon us and can come through us in a fresh and creative way that is going to impact the people around us. Notice what he says. He says, I've come or has anointed me to bring good news. And as I was kind of preparing this, I was reminded of Joshua and Caleb and the uh, 12 spies that were sent out to spy out the land of Canaan, which was God's promised land of what he was going to bring them into. Caleb and Joshua were two of the 12 spies it says that brought back a good report and they weren't bound by the fear of what they saw when they went to spy it out because the other 10 got focused, if you remember, on the size of the people and the armies that the land was filled with giants. It was fortified. There's no way that we'd be able to take it. And they were trying to tell a story and spin it in a very negative way. And it was rooted in fear, which is of the kingdom of the world and of the enemy. And Joshua and Caleb saw it and said, surely has not the Lord said that he will give us this land. So they held on to the word of God and that became their foundation. They had a promise. And so they've acted in courage and faith and believed God at his word. So it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me to bring good news. Well, what does that good news entail? And I want to break that down for you just a little bit today. It says the spirit of the Lord bind up the brokenhearted, or another way of putting that would be to heal the wounded. And I'm sure just like me, you've been wounded in some way by somebody as you've walked through this life. So it says that Jesus will ultimately come to restore and to heal those that are brokenhearted. It says he will proclaim liberty to the captives. So a lot of times we're going through life, we get stuck in bondage and we see that Jesus is going to come. And when the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus, he brought freedom from the captives as he'll bring uh, an opening of prison to those who are bound. So you could imagine what it feels like to be in prison, to have no rights. And Jesus says that the spirit of the Lord has anointed him to open the prison doors. So imagine what it's like to feel free walking out of prison, that you have a new life ahead of you. And it's your choice of what you want it to be about and how you're going to go about having the second chance as he will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor in the day of the day of vengeance of our God, and he will comfort those who mourn. So there's going to be a day of vengeance. There's going to be a day where he comes to comfort those who mourn. And these are all just incredible, encouraging things of what the kingdom of God ushers in. And when the spirit of the Lord was resting upon Jesus, you're going to see how Jesus was able to demonstrate these things in his mission, his lifestyle, and his identity were really rooted and submerged in this passage. 
everything he was about was looking to his father and being able to live out of these principles, these values in the character of the father heart of God. And so Jesus had to keep his eyes upon his father and operate from his father's kingdom values and kingdom principles in order to bring these things into the world. Because this was a prophetic declaration of what Isaiah was seeing and declaring about who the person of the coming king and Messiah would be. Here's the beautiful thing about the way this Isaiah 61 passage concludes is that, yes, he's going to come in, the king who is coming, the Messiah who is coming is going to usher in all these things, and they are incredible things. But then Isaiah 61 goes on and it concludes that this is the, the way the Lord works, and I've often experienced it, is that he doesn't just take these things away from us like bondage and oppression and um, the woundedness, but then he'll often out of his generosity, out of his goodness, out of his kindness, he'll replace those things and he'll give us what I call the instead of. And this is really demonstrative of his kingdom and the way it works is when he begins to take these things away from us then he'll give us something much more precious. And I just want you to hear some of the things that he talks about of what he gives to us. Number one, uh, he says, he'll give a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. This was one of those garments that was worn around your head that symbolized beauty. And if you've ever seen ashes, if you've been around a fire, you know that there's nothing real beautiful about them. But in other places in the Old Testament, it talks about how the Lord will um, restore beauty uh, from ashes. So there's this sense of what we are uh, before the healing work of God comes into us and what now we have a headdress. We're celebrated instead of uh, being left in decay and in the sin that we were once uh, that once ruled our lives through the old kingdom. Number two, it says that he'll give us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. And so, so many times if we get stuck in despair or discouragement, uh, God gives us the oil of joy and gladness because he's with us and he never leaves us. And it says that he'll turn our mourning into gladness. So I just ask, Lord, that you would help us to experience this, to taste this in our daily lives, knowing that there may be a season of mourning, but as we walk through with him, you can be assured that that will turn into gladness and just imagining what that feels like in your heart about having something be uh, comforted through the presence of who God is. Number three, it says, He'll give us a garment of praise instead of a fainting spirit. This is a great news is that when we have a faint spirit and we feel weak, a lot of times what I've got to do is I've got to let the spirit of praise get inside of me. And that's all throughout scripture. Something God emphasizes to us is because praise lifts us up above our circumstances and it gets our focus. It gets our attention on the one and only true king in the truth of this kingdom that Jesus was representative of. And 
for so many uh, episodes, I've talked about the foundation being in Christ. And when we're in Christ, there, there, there has got to be praise in our lives because of all the things that were delivered from, and then all the new things that we get to step into. Uh, I often say that these are our inheritances or our promises that we get to step into and live from boldly. Number four, he says, we will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. This is really an incredible statement, because if you think about what an oak is, it's often a symbol of something that has incredible strength. And if you've ever seen an oak tree, you know that the trunk of this thing is massive and that the winds can't even begin to uproot it a lot of times because it's a symbol of such strength. And that's what the Lord is saying about you and I. He's calling you an oak of righteousness something that's immovable, something that's unshakable, because we're of a different kingdom. We serve a different God than the God of this world, the enemy. And we're allowing God to shape our heart and to shape our life. And it says, you are like the planting of the Lord. And when we're in Christ, our foundation is him. Things in our life begin to blossom and grow because we're not responsible as you go back to the beginning of this chapter, it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me and called me to do these things. So it's the work of the father that begins this work in us and then enables and empowers us and gives us the strength to be able to live from the place of this kingdom and to live as Jesus lived in this world, being a demonstration and a visual to the world around us. You are an oak of righteousness. And I love this part, number five, of what it says, the people who experience these things of being set free, of having the prison doors open, then it goes on to say, these people will. It says, they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations and they shall repair the ruined city the devastations of many generations. And to me, this sounds like the, the rebuilding and the restoring and the repairing that God first does within our heart and in our spirit. And then it empowers us and gives us a strength. And now he's saying that through my work in you, you are going to be the ones who go into the places. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's into the inner cities. Maybe it's with youth. Who knows what it could be? But it says you will restore what has been ruined and destroyed by the enemy. In 1 John 3, verse 8, it says that I've come to destroy the works of the enemy. That's Jesus saying what he and his mission was, referring to this very passage. And if we are followers of Christ, he then says that our mission, our lifestyle, our identity is to destroy the works of the enemy in his kingdom and to bring in and to demonstrate and to usher in this new kingdom, not by force, not by hatred, not by evil, but what we defined last week from a place of love and of reconciling the world of bringing unity, of bringing peace, 
these are the characteristics of God's kingdom, a kingdom of light. And I just want to read a couple verses here to close us. At the end of the chapter, in verses 10 and 11, he says that he'll, he clothed me with garments of salvation. He covered me with a robe of righteousness. As the bridegroom decks himself out, the earth brings forth sprouts. The Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up. And I love those verses and how this chapter concludes is that praise and righteousness will rise up in the hearts of those whose eyes, mind, language, and lifestyle all are in alignment with the right king who is Jesus and in the right kingdom. And when we're aligned in the right kingdom, living life according to the way that Jesus did, it says praise will rise up righteousness will rise up in you. So child, you've got to see yourself this way and to know this. And I love how Isaiah says he was clothed with salvation and righteousness. Imagine the Lord coming up to you, putting the, the headdress of praise upon you, making you feel welcome and accepted in this kingdom because you belong in this kingdom. Bridegroom decking himself out for you and I because he sees the beauty in you. You are a tree, an oak of righteousness because you are in the kingdom. So if you are at a place in your life where maybe you are wounded, Maybe you're feeling oppressed. Maybe you felt like you haven't had any kind of direction or purpose in life. I would just invite you in this moment, if what you hear in this passage is intriguing to your heart, invite the Lord Jesus into your heart and become a child of the kingdom. Like I did last week, I'm the, uh, I was a child from that little passage of, Mordecai and how the, the rabbi came and held him in his lap and put his head to his heart. Imagine yourself in that position today and having your wounds be healed, having um, hardships of your past be reconciled and restored and get a picture of God beginning to rebuild and to remold your heart, your destiny, your future your today, because he cares about every detail of your life. And by walking according to his kingdom, and by setting your eyes on Jesus, you are aligning your life with the identity and the mission of who Jesus is. And I'll close this episode with this. If you've ever been part of an organization, whether that's in the workforce, whether it's uh, a sports team, whether it's in music, uh, and military is a great uh, example and illustration of this as well. But if you've been a part of a great king, a culture, in an environment, uh, that's the way you operate really in all aspects of life. Let's take the Marines or the Navy or the Army, because when they're trained, there's a certain way and there's a pride that begins to rise up and there's a lifestyle that is built 
and how you identify with those things. And that's how you approach life. That's the lens you see life through. And those are the values that get instilled into your heart. And when we look at this passage in Isaiah 61, and we're going to look into Luke chapter four and how Jesus was the fulfillment of these things, we're going to see the picture of Jesus as the king. Because in terms of following the king in Jesus, there is an environment that Jesus creates and can only create that allows us to become the beloved, the accepted, and to become the righteousness of God. Because we can't do it on our own, nor does he call us to accomplish it on our own, but he brings an environment through his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is a kingdom of light. It is a kingdom of life and it brings peace and it settles deep in our heart so that we can't be shaken, giving us a newfound strength, giving us the ability to endure and be resilient. And there's a way, a lifestyle of how this kingdom is lived out through the example and the person of Jesus. And that's going to be demonstrated through the way that he loved the people. Because as I said last week, that there is a kingdom and there is a king to that kingdom who is Jesus. And the people are the most precious thing in his kingdom. And so everything we've been talking about, everything that we can experience is really a demonstration of God's grace and mercy and compassion and goodness and generosity and patience and self-control being lived out and modeled for his people. Why? For the very things that we just read from Isaiah 61. And I want to read this in the amplified version and just draw out a couple things and bring them to your attention. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the spirit has, the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and the afflicted. So again, we got to come back to this aspect of being humble and understanding that we're afflicted. But it says the spirit of the Lord has anointed him to these people. And he says he has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from the confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to the prisoners. Those things are yours through an interactive relationship with Jesus. And it says he came to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord in the day of vengeance and retribution to our God, to comfort all those who mourn. So as we close today, God, I pray that you would just bring comfort. I pray that you would restore us, rebuild us, as it says at the end of this chapter, God, that you would come and rebuild and restore what has been ruined or taken or killed from the enemy and his kingdom, and that you would just breathe life into us. And I just get this image of going from a desert into a beautiful garden. And I believe that's an image for someone today. Maybe your life has felt like a wasteland. Maybe it feels like you've been in a desert, but the Lord is restoring you into the garden. And there's going to be beautiful things that begin to come forth in it. So Father, I pray that we would see ourselves the way you do and that we would allow your work uh, 
to, to shape us and to mold us. And we're thankful that in your kingdom, Jesus is sitting on the throne, that he is the king. And I thank you that his heart is for us to redeem us and to restore us, to set us free and to heal the brokenhearted. So Father, meet us in these ways in Jesus' name. Thanks for being with me. Come back and join me on Wednesday as we're going to look into Luke chapter four and see how Jesus was the example and illustration of what we just saw in Isaiah 61. So God bless and God's strength today.